parable of the lost coin. Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp? Sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it. And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbours together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Awesome. Well, great to be uh, with you this morning. As David said, we're going to be sharing this around the video. And um, I think following on from last week, David was sharing, Pastor David was sharing around three points about living in 3D. Now, does anyone remember what the three Ds were? No? Develop friendships, yes. So we're called to go out and, and just get to know people, build relationships, build friendships with people. Yep, develop friendships. Next was discover stories. We're called to listen to people and hear um, where people uh, are at, where their lives have taken them. And then the third one, Discern the next step, listening to what God is saying, what the Spirit is saying to lead us and lead people to next steps. And uh, we're about to hear a video from Bill Hybels, but before we do, uh, I'd love just for us to think for a second about what direction are we facing? What direction are we facing? You see, uh, when we watch this next video, I'd love for us to notice how Bill Hybels is, is facing in a particular direction mission and, and evangelism evangelism and reaching people isn't a side note it isn't even just a compartment of his life no it's a direction a focus an orientation his whole life is focused on developing friendships discovering stories and discerning next steps because if this is, if this is true if the, if jesus really is who we say he is who we believe he is and if jesus really did take the initiative to step across space and time to to be in our midst to to enter into our lives while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. If that's true, then surely it has to change all of our story. So let's watch the screen as Bill Hybels speaks. When I was just a little kid, my father introduced me to sailing and sailboat racing. And uh, I mean, immediately from the first time I was on a race boat, I mean, it was like an adrenaline rush. And I, I wanted to do it more and more and more. And uh, most of my junior high and senior high years in the summer, uh, I was on that boat. When I'm on a boat and uh, feel the motion and the breeze, and then you mix in some good friendships, uh, with that equation, and for me, that's as good as it gets. About 15 years into the development of Willow Creek, I realized that I needed to do a little replenishing and recalibrating in the summertime uh, due to some of the pressures of church work. And uh, we rented a little cottage here in South Haven, Michigan, and I guess originally I thought, well, this is where 
I won't be known as a Christian and as a Christian leader, and I can just fly beneath the radar and, and stay real low key here. But what I was not anticipating was getting into sailboat racing and developing an entire network of relationships that uh, were not church-focused. These are people who would never really be able to attend our church because of the three-hour time distance. Yet I could see God starting to stir and work in some of the, the lives of the people that I befriended and raced sailboats with in the town here. I'm just one of the guys who, you know, has found faith and uh, try to spread that as naturally as possible in just normal recreational contexts. Well, I was involved in a sailing team uh, here in South Haven uh, for quite a number of years, uh, guys that I've sailed with competitively for, for quite some time. And um, all of a sudden I got a phone call out of the blue from Tommy saying that we were not going to sail our regular program and that we were going to sail with his pastor from Chicago. And um, I just about hit the floor. I kind of had made a comment to Tommy that I said, why would we be doing that? I, I, I can't believe that we'd be, we'd be changing programs and, and felt at that time that the fun meter was really going to go from like 11 to 2. I remember the first time we went out to practice with this new sailing team and I was uh, being introduced to each of the guys. When I got to Dave Wright, they called him Super or sometimes they'd call him Soup. And I thought it was a little strange until I discovered over the next few weeks, he was just a super guy. When I first met Bill, I was really quite suspicious of, of what that relationship was going to be like. And I, I think I moved in a direction of um, kind of observation, uh, kind of very standoffish. Sort of the ringleader of this sailing crew that was formed around uh, this bracing program that I put together it was a guy named Tommy, wildest guy on the crew full of life and energy, and uh, shortly after our time of sailing together, shortly, I mean, uh, maybe a season or two, Tommy got very interested in spiritual things and wound up uh, really starting to read his Bible and uh, doing some real spiritual seeking, and this freaked Dave Wright out. I mean, he was a close friend, and... Uh... You know, we spent a little time getting in trouble. Um, and so when he entered into a relationship with Bill, I was really concerned about our friendship changing and um, was quite angry at times uh, about that. I'll never forget the time when, after one of our uh, sailing regattas, where Tom had started to open up to the other guys that he was actually considering Christianity. Uh, Super Dave took me off to the side and said, I want you to stop messing with Tommy's mind about this God stuff. You know, it was, it was uh, customary for Tommy in the wintertime to, um, to take a little bit of time off. And Bill had uh, asked him to take a team of folks from Willow Creek down to the British Virgin Islands to do a team building experience. Well, he was doing this now for about a month and um, was coming back home and uh, met him on the jetway. And uh, as we were coming down the ramp, he said, well, you're not going to believe what I did this week. And I said, well, what's that? He goes, well, I became a Christian. And I, I just thought at that time that aliens had just taken my best friend. And he thought Tom was going to wind up just really off the deep end. And I was not that concerned because I saw the new work of Christ in Tom's life.
Great. Well, we're going to stop there and uh, we're going to have a couple of stops through this video. Uh, so we, I just wanted us to think a bit about what Bill was doing. What was Bill doing? He was actually thinking about his holidays or his time off doing something recreational. And so what did he choose to do? It was sailing. He decided he'd go and, and, and sail. And as he engaged in that activity, all of a sudden there were relationships that started to form, real people. And as he started to spend time with them, he realized that, that there was a need in these people, a great need, because a lot of them weren't following Jesus. They weren't going along in the journey at all. And so there was that attitude to, to care about them, to take an interest in them, and to, to pray for them. Uh, and not only that, to, uh, in, a, in, a, in a friendship setting, to actually point them to God, to take small steps that uh, would point them in the right direction. What we've been talking about here uh, in this whole series, in doing that. So I want us to think for a few moments, what are some activities that we are already involved in or could be involved in in our community which is similar to what Bill's doing? What, what can you think of? What's that? On the shop, yep. So the, the op shop to an extent, you're, you're, you're spending time with people. I guess you might not be seeing the same people regularly though in the op shop. Yep, Ben? Cricket, yes. So I think straight away all the sporting clubs, absolutely. Yeah, sporting club, you are with real people uh, and, and you're there with them. Yep, anything else? Yes, yep, so community transport driving. Yes, yep, that's right. So uh, a few more examples there of the woodworking group and the, uh, the tractor pull club uh, in town here. Anything else? That yep, yes, fire brigade. Yeah, a PNC at school. Yep, I, I, yep. I guess the PNC at school uh, is good, but you're probably not doing recreation there, uh, depending on how far the PNC goes and what they're doing. Yeah. So I guess what I, uh, the key point to get from this is to say that we can go into a club, a sporting club, and we can go and have fun playing the sport, and we can be friendly to people, and we can sort of wave at them and be polite, and then we can wish them well and sort of just walk away when it comes to key moments. Or I guess what I really want us to think about is, is to really be there to develop those friendships and to be current with the people and to really be deliberate about saying, well, I'm going to pray for this person. I'm going to see where there might be some opportunities where God creates an opportunity for me to share something, something small, something big, the right time, so that they might be pointed to, to the God uh, that we know and is, is there to bless people. To actually have a heart to say, well, these people around me, it actually matters for eternity what they, what they, what they believe and, and where they are before God. And I want to do what I can because... Uh, like I think of my own situation, um, I've got my children involved in little athletics and, and that's a recreation for the kids and the, the parents sort of go as helpers and I can go there and I volunteer this year to, to keep all the books so I've got to keep all the records for all the times and so there's a, a substantial job there and I can go to little athletics and I can do that, I can be polite to the other parents 
or I guess I can go there with a mindset and say, well, actually, I'm going to care about the people that are here, the, the, the boys and girls, but also the adults. I'm going to actually care about their lives, ask them questions, and maybe even invite them for a meal at my house, maybe have a barbecue or do something that's going to engage and hope that there can be some next steps in that whole journey that I can point someone to. I hope you can see there's a real difference between the two, between just going somewhere and helping and between going there and prayerfully trying to take next steps. Well, we're going to watch a bit more of the video as we reflect over that. Well, I didn't, I didn't grow up in the church. I did spend a little bit of time there as a child and uh, kind of rebelled against that experience. I found it to be quite boring. And then I had uh, two other experiences as a teenager. These experiences really got quite strange. They had people putting their hands on me and praying for me, and it was just really uh, quite uh, uncomfortable. I could tell that Dave was uh, suspicious because I was a pastor. He had never really known a Christian well at that point in his life. I did come to Christ uh, uh, before my husband did, and it was very important to me that, that he come to Christ. I never thought I'd get married. I, I wanted to do life together in entirety with David. And so what did that mean? That if he didn't have a relationship with Christ, this was all going to fall apart. And it was hard to watch David struggle with uh, understanding what a relationship with Christ was and understanding what it meant to be a Christian when you people would push things at him. I saw something so uh, valuable inside Dave. And uh, I remember just saying to myself, this is going to be a long, slow walk. He's got to see a Christian kind of walk the walk. I, I never put a time span on it. I just said, this is a guy I'd like to be friends with and let God do whatever God's going to do. I really wanted to make sure that it was God doing the work and uh, me riding in the second position. Before uh, regatta, I was preparing my little area on the sailboat, and Bill would come up and just ask me how my week had gone, how Beth was, maybe what had gone on at work. I mean, the conversations never really moved uh, towards faith or Christianity. And it, again, it was just so refreshing uh, to me that he was concerned about me as an individual and what was going on in my life. I think really trying to point someone in the direction of faith is usually the summation of a lot of little inputs along the way. I don't think it's the big three-hour talk where you start with creation and end at the end of the Bible. I, I don't think it's a great big theological brain dump all at once. I remember uh... Bill giving me a copy of Case for Christ before it was uh, ever even in print. And so in my travels around the country, uh, you know, on airplanes, I would pull that out and uh, read a few pages. And I really needed that because I was so inquisitive about the science part of it. Uh, I prayed for him constantly, constantly. Uh, I asked other people to pray for him. Uh, I left books around. I joined a Bible study. He'd, he'd ask me questions about what happened at the Bible study. And I'd get sneaky about it. You know, if you're, if you're curious, why don't you come? After a, a regatta, I'd say, uh, Dave, I'm going to pray for you every day this week, that you'll have a great week, that you'll be aware of, of this God who loves you. 
but it was just a series of these little seeds that were planted, inputs that were done, that I think started to gain some momentum over time. Well, there was a, a time Bill and I were having breakfast together in a small little restaurant, and he uh, uh, proceeded to draw out the bridge illustration and was just inquiring about where I was at. Was I way on the left side? Was I getting a little closer to accepting God in my life? And I, I said, Bill, geez, I don't want to hurt your feelings, but I'm like in the next booth. I was only trying to ascertain where he was. Was he just ready to trust Christ, or was he just a step or two behind where I thought he was? I drove away from the restaurant thinking, Man, I thought it'd take a little while, but uh, this, this might, I might be in for a decade here. He, he's a hard nut. So there we go. I've uh, loved the story so far, and it's great to hear Pastor David's reflections as well. Um, up to this point, we, we hear that there's this call for us to walk across the room. We hear the potential that when we do enter relationships, enter context where we can build friendships and do all these things as Pastor David has encouraged us to do. There's this potential, the potential that something could happen, that people's lives could be changed for eternity, that, 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 that this is a space where God can turn up. So there's this potential, but on the other hand, the tension is that there's also the reality of what about the times when we, we pray and we invest and we hear people's stories and we build relationships and, and we're wanting people to, to, to change and to get this experience of Jesus like we have. And, and we, we keep praying, we keep investing, we keep listening, we keep looking for the next steps, and yet nothing seems to happen. What about those times when, when we start conversations and we do all these things, but not people... This, these people we're praying for don't seem to move an inch. Well, uh, in my own story, uh, I was in Broken Hill before I came to Koroa, and I, my context that I got into was I joined a soccer team. Now, at the time, I wasn't particularly fit, so it was a bit of a, whoa, because the first training I went along to, they were like, okay, we're going to do 100 push-ups. What? <laughs> but I survived, just... But I got to know these people. We built some relationships. We, we got to uh, hang out. We had meals together after the, the games. And um, I was praying, God, where's the next steps? What, what can I do? I'm, I'm here. And so I'd be praying for people before I went into the games. And, and I got to know people. And yet, when I left, there didn't seem to be anything to come from it. There didn't seem to be any notable change. What do we do with that? Well, I've got three points I'd like to quickly share. Is Number one, Bill's already said this, it's God who changes people, not us. It's God who changes people, not us. Paul, in the beginning of 1 Corinthians, says, I planted the seed, and Apollos came along and watered the seed, but God made it grow. And it took Paul to plant the seed, and then someone else to water the seed, but God made it grow. Sometimes it's the most unlikely things we do that God uses to point people to, to grow that seed. So point number one is God who changes people, not us. Point number two, our highest calling isn't even to change people. Our highest calling is to obey God. And so, sure, we desperately love people and we want them to have this relationship with Jesus, 
But our first calling is to go where he wants us to go, to say what he wants us to say, to do what he wants us to do. As it says in Romans, to keep in step with the Spirit. Um, To continue on the soccer story, last weekend I went back to Broken Hill for a weekend. The church that I was at had a 100-year celebration. Uh, And so it was a full weekend, lots of exciting stuff happening. But on the Saturday before, I saw on Facebook that the soccer team that I was part of was having a dinner. But I thought, there's there's this full schedule, I'm kind of tied up, and I'm going to be exhausted at the end of the day. I don't know. And you know when you kind of have those half prayers that I was going to the shops, running some errands, and as I pulled up at the shops, I was still unsure, and I, I kind of half prayed, God, if I bump into someone in the shops who's from the soccer team, I'll think about going. <laughs> now, I don't know if that's the right thing to do, but anyway. I get out of the car and walk into the door, and who do I literally bump into but someone from the soccer team who says, Noah, you're back. Hey, we have this dinner on tomorrow night. You should totally come. Okay, God. Now, I went along to the dinner once again. It was great to hang out with people, but there wasn't any blinding light flash experience, nothing that changed people. And yet, I think we're called to take little steps like that, to go, God, are you calling me to go and build a relationship with that person, to get to know that person, to get to know my neighbor, to get to talk to some people that maybe I wouldn't normally talk to? So number one, it's God who changes people, not us. Number two, our highest calling is to not to change people, but to obey God. And number three, our highest calling is to obey God again and again and again and again. Now, Bill Hybels was friends with this bloke, Super. Does anyone remember how many years he said? He, he hinted towards 10. He said seven years. Seven years he'd been praying and, and listening and, and going, Lord, I, I would love to have points to, to point super to next steps. And yet, there was nothing. But let's continue the story. Uh, but he was honest, and that's what you always love about Dave. I'll never forget when Dave called me and said that his dad had suddenly died of a heart attack. And the timing of this uh, in Dave's own process was very worrisome to me because we had just been talking about the afterlife. We had been talking about the fact that real people spend eternity uh, with God or without Him. And that was hard for Dave to kind of comprehend uh, in and of itself. I remember my aunt. asking whether my father had said some type of prayer in his life and that would indicate whether he was going to heaven or not. I remember being at my mother's house and uh, just sitting on the floor and being on the phone with Bill and just trying to process uh, some of these things. But when it came to whether or not his dad was going to wind up in heaven or not on the basis of his relationship with Christ and not just on the basis of was he a good guy because he was a good guy. Those were extremely sensitive conversations that, uh, that I think wound up being pivotal in Dave's process. At about the seven-year mark, I had become uh, such good friends with Dave, and our lives had intertwined 
around sailboat racing and friendship and and so I remember getting to a point where I said I I just can't imagine not being in heaven with this guy and the thought was rolling around in my head and as he was leaving our Christmas party one Christmas the thought occurred to me why don't I just tell him he just looked at me and he said soup I'm gonna tell you right now I'm not going to eternity without you you know guys don't say those kinds of things to each other it just came out of me and I was like well that's how I feel see ya I got in the car and I, I told Beth, I said, you're not going to believe what Bill just said to me. Um, and it just came from a, um, a place of genuine friendship and love. I mean, that just really made an impact. I mean, I thought about that a lot over the next year. I remember the, um, the Christmas Eve service uh, where I had dedicated my life to Christ and and I just finally had decided that it was not worth kind of fighting it anymore uh, I was just sitting there listening to some worship um, I had all my questions answered and I just really felt it was time for me to say yes and uh, Dave turns to me just as I'm helping he and his wife Beth with their coats and says oh by the way I'm good to go and I looked at him, I thought, what do you mean you're good to go? Are you going home? Are you going to a hotel? I don't even understand what you're saying. And he had a little twinkle in his eye, and he says, like, I'm good to go, man. you, you got to understand. And then he kind of came out with it and said, I trusted Christ tonight in the service. And I, re I remember what I said to him. I said, no way. <laughs> I can't believe you did that. And he said, I thought you'd be happy. And uh, I said, well, it, it's going to take me just a little while to uh, digest that. And he said, well, you know, love you and give a hug. And then I don't think he had told his wife yet. He was going to tell her in the car on the drive home. But I remember going into my kitchen and I got Len and my kids around me. And, you know, they've been praying for Dave for eight years. And I said, uh, Super told me he's good to go. They're like, what does that mean? I said, I didn't know either. And uh, I said, he trusted Christ tonight. And they all, it's like in a chorus, they were like, no way. I said, that's what I said, no way. Uh, and I called him the next morning. And we talked about it, and he was just as solid as a rock. He had, had had his questions answered. His heart was ready. He made the decision. And he has never looked back. He has grown consistently, month by month, uh, since that day. You know, I remember um, the evening before I got baptized, um, I was kind of asking Bill about what I should expect that next day. And um, he looked at me and said, the only thing you need to know right now is the deeper the sin, the deeper the dunk. I stepped out in the water, and Bill, of course, gently grabbed me and proceeded to, like, dunk me so deep, my head hit the bottom of the lake, my tennis shoes came out of the water. We laugh about it till this day, but there's deep symbolic importance to it as well. I mean, Dave came from a pretty colorful past. And then I really wanted him to feel that he had been cleansed from head to toe. I wanted him to, to feel that complete sense of being washed through what Christ did. And uh, when he came out of the water and threw his arms up in the air, that was pretty cool.
And so to this day, anytime I'm around Bill, I have a life jacket on if there's water close by. Wonderful. Well, that, that story could have gone either way, wasn't it? It was, uh, he was, I remember he was at that booth at that restaurant and he drew that, that picture and he said, oh, I'm, I'm not even on your picture. I'm off on the other side of the, the, the restaurant. And yet over time, his heart softened to the Lord. I love that story. It's such a good news story of someone who, who thought about God, thought about Jesus and what he'd done in a, in a genuine relationship. Um, and, and through it all, I, I love that question. Imagine speaking to one of your friends and saying, oh, I can't imagine eternity without you. And, and the impact that that had. It's out of a genuine friendship, a genuine concern. And then, of course, that step for him to accept Jesus and to be baptized. Um, it's, it's so uh, exciting. I know uh, that Bible reading we had at the start, um, there is rejoicing in heaven over one person who turns to Jesus Christ, one person who turns to him and believes. Um, and indeed, we can rejoice when people come to faith uh, and the wonderful things that happen. And you might say, well, does it happen in our midst? We're just a church here in Corowa. Do people come to faith here? Then what's the answer? Yes, yes, they do. And uh, we've we're obviously, uh, we want to remember that we've got Bella with us, who in this last year has grown and come to faith, and now uh, she's over in Europe serving the Lord. That's a wonderful story. And I'm sure we can think of other people that we know in our journeys where they have encountered Jesus and they've had a life change and there's been so much rejoicing. It is such a delight when God does work and, and people's lives are changed for eternity. Have you ever encountered someone who's had their life changed in, in a big way like this? It is so moving and it's so incredible. And we rejoice when it takes place. I hope we can relate to having that life change ourselves. Um, and if you're on a journey of searching, let me encourage you to keep searching, to keep seeking. Um, and if you're journeying with someone, I want to echo Noah's words to say, well, keep going. Keep going in that friendship. Keep pointing them. You never know what could take place in the future. Well, this whole series is Walk Across the Room. It's about us remembering that we should get up and think about those around us. So I want us to do that again. I want us to stand up right now and I want us to walk across the room and shake someone's hands and say hello. So up we get and then we'll have a song in a moment.